Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. podcast is David Allen Dodge. He's been in the game for a long time, over 15 years, uh, specializing in wholesaling. He runs a podcast with Wholesaling Inc. and he specializes in the Burr strategy. He's done well over 750 deals and owns over 90 units, scaling up to over 200, does direct to, uh, direct to seller marketing, including driving for dollars, cold calling, SMS, direct mail, you name it. He's got cold callers, he's got VAs, he's got acquisition specialists. He does it all, and we talk about all of it. So what are the keys to getting deals? What is the key to getting better deals? How do you adjust your numbers in this upcoming change and transition in the market, especially for things like interest rates and burr strategies? After doing that, it's a fantastic way, if you guys are not familiar with that, to be able to establish a long-term cash-flowing passive income portfolio, basically using none of your own money over uh, about, I think he said 180 of them. He's into those for less than $1,200 out of pocket, sometimes less. So fantastic stuff. I think you guys are going to love him. Check the show notes for all the things David Allen Dodge that he can help you with uh, from coaching to tools to resources to all the different things. And of course, while you guys are on there, the fee for this show, if you will, is basically just subscribing and then following along and interacting on social media. So nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S, will get you all the places this podcast is available to listen to or watch. Please subscribe if you have not already. Subscribe to the YouTube and definitely all the social media handles are on there as well, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. I always post these clips. The guests want to see that you're listening, that you're watching them, that you appreciate them. So just like the post, share the post, comment on the post. It really goes a long way for us to continue to bring you free value from very, very high-level guests like David Allen Dodge and get you guys some great information from some of the best minds in business out there today. I would love to do some real estate with every single one of you. It's going to be the end of the year now, depending on when this comes out. So whatever it is you want to do, if you have properties you want to sell, I'm interested in buying them. Contact me. If you're looking to buy some properties, whether they're turnkey, fix and flip, fix and rent, commercial, vacant land, whatever it is, contact me. Or if you have no idea, you just know you want to do some real estate, you'd like to figure out how we can work together, maybe partner on some level, contact me. The best way to get in touch with me as far as doing some real estate deals together is text me directly at 516-540-5733. Again, that's 516-540-5733. Everything else, you can hit me directly on social media. Sometimes I miss them, so I apologize. That's why texting me is the best way to get that. While you are there, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets if you would like a free checklist on the ways to bring more value to your buyers as a real estate wholesaler, broker, or agent, and all the ways to connect with our sponsors under our affiliate links from Nationwide Business Capital Group, Reva Global, Zachary Babcock and his podcast stuff, and uh, of course, Naked Warrior Recovery CBD, William Brandon coming on the podcast tomorrow. He's going to be back on. We love that guy too. Navy SEAL, support your country. Hope you guys are having a great day. Support the A-Game Podcast. Support your real estate business. Get out there and take action. Thank you so much, David Allen Dodge. Have a great day, ladies and gentlemen. A-Game Podcast. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is an entrepreneur, full-time real estate investor, as well as podcast host, author, and coach. Fighting out of St. Louis, Missouri with over 15 years of experience in this business. He's the founder of House Sold Easy and started house hacking in college. Since then, he has done over 750 deals, become an expert in wholesaling, and has pivoted into some passive income through rentals, specifically mastering the world-famous Burr strategy. He now owns over 90 units and is on a mission to scale over 200 in the next 24 months and is helping others do the same. Please welcome to the A-Game Podcast, Mr. David Dodge. Hey, hey, thanks for having me, Nick, man. I really appreciate it. What the, what, wow, what the intro. That was amazing, man. Holy cow. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I didn't want to steal uh, too much of your thunder, but I wanted to hit some of the highlights. So for some people that aren't 100% familiar with you, can you give a 30,000 foot view a bit of uh, who you are and where you came from? Yeah, of course, man. 30,000 foot. I love 30,000 foot. You're talking <laughs> my language here, man. I use that a lot. So basically, uh, I'm David Dodge. I'm 38 years old. Am I 38? I'm 38. I always forget. <laughs> um, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and I was born and raised here. This is home. 
not necessarily the the most uh, fun city. I wouldn't necessarily recommend vacation in here, but uh, it is my home. It's where I live. And I started buying rental properties when I was in college at the age of 20, 18 years ago. And I was doing it the wrong way. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but I did that for 10 years, Nick, uh, just buying rentals the wrong way. And over the first 10 years, from basically from the time I was 20 to the time I was 30, um, I was buying about one a year. Um, two of those years, I got lucky and I bought two in a year. So at the end of that 10-year period, I had 12 rental properties, which, hey, is pretty good because I wasn't in real estate other than just as a passive you know, investment type of structure. It wasn't like a full-time gig. I'd, I've never been licensed in terms of being an agent or a broker. I've always just been an investor and it started out very passively buying rentals. Well, you know, go back about eight years to when I was 30, um, I decided that, you know, I wanted to do real estate full time and I wanted to learn how, you know, people could acquire, you know, hundreds of properties in a lifetime. Like it just was just so fascinating to me. Um, so eight years ago, I quit doing what I was doing. So let's take a step back though. For that first 10 years after college, you know, basically from 20 to 30, I was buying rentals passively, right? But it was a passive thing. It wasn't like my main income. It was just a place to park capital um, and to grow some wealth and, you know, get some tax advantages. But during that whole time, I was operating, you know, working for different companies as a salesperson. I did sales. I did marketing. And I also had several small businesses that I created selling products online, building websites, cutting grass, power washing homes, taking drone photography. I mean, just this and that. I had a mobile notary services business. I had a courier company at one time, just a lot of little things. And most of them failed. Let's be honest. Most, you know, maybe they made a little bit of money, but they weren't anything that, you know, was really worth keeping going. So at the age of 30, when I was like, you know what, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to quit working in all these little small businesses that aren't really moving the needle. And I'm also going to just quit working for other people and helping them build their business. And basically I decided that I wanted to go into business for myself as a real estate investor. And most people would say, oh, that's great, Dave. Did you get your license and start working at a brokerage? And in fact, the answer to that question is no, I didn't. Um, I've never been licensed. I'm not currently licensed. I think at some point I probably will get my license, but it's just, it hasn't really been a priority to me. My, my business partner's a broker. So anything that I need, you know, he can help with that. And um, yeah, I just, I just never have done that. So over the last eight years as a full-time investor, um, I started out by just really learning what the business consisted of. I mean, it took me 10 years to get to 12 properties. And there was people that I was meeting at RIA clubs that were buying 12 properties in a month. And I'm sitting there thinking like, man, it took me 10 years to do what this dude's doing in 30 days. <laughs> like what? So I, I was hooked. I'm going to tell you, I was hooked. And in that first six months, I read... I mean, I'm, I don't want to exaggerate here, but like 50 books, you know, like I was reading a book a day. I was just in, I was totally dove in head first, you know, eyes closed, like, let's go. No fear. I started reading books. I started listening to podcasts when I was driving or at the gym or whatever. Um, I was, you know, going to just different places to buy courses online. And eventually I hired a coach and it took me about four and a half months to get my first deal. Uh, but the thing is, though, is it took me four months of struggling on my own with no deals. And then I hired a coach. And within two weeks, I had properties under contract. So I guess to be realistic here, it was, it was almost five months. It was like four months and three weeks, right? So within two weeks, I had, I had properties under contract. And then that following week, I was doing deals. And since then, um, Nick, since then, you know, over the last eight years, I've done over 750 wholesale deals, about a thousand transactions. And I really love buying rentals. Again, that's kind of where I started. And that's kind of where we've kind of circled back to over just the last two or three years, um, really heavily. And, you know, I've done almost 200 bird deals at this point which, you know, I'd say it's probably about 180 if I were to really, really, really put a number on it. So almost at 200. 
And the Burr deals are my favorite type of deals. It's my favorite type of exit strategy in all the real estate because I'm buying properties at discounts. I get to rehab those properties, which does so many things. It increases the value of the property for my appraisal. It increases the amount of rent that I can charge to the tenants because it's a new, you know, it's got updates, it's clean, it's fresh, it's new. But it also does some things that people, you know, don't necessarily, you know, think of right away is it reduces my maintenance a big time on these rentals because everything is going to be newer. And even more importantly than reducing maintenance, it reduces my capital expenditures, which is just expensive maintenance if you think about it. Um, big time too for at least seven to 10 years by doing these rehabs, right? So I buy them at discounts, I rehab them. I then send them over to a property management company. I work with a couple of them to do my leasing and my management. And then once I stabilize the property, I take it to a bank and I refinance it. But the beautiful thing about the Burr method is it allows me to uh, get a loan based on the after repair value appraisal. Whereas I'm not, you know, I'm buying at big discounts. So if I can be all into these deals, all in, meaning purchase, rehab, holding costs, private money, interest, taxes, insurance, you name it, all, all, all in, right? If I can be all in at 75 to 80% of what it appraises for, I can pay back my, my private or hard money lenders in full and acquire assets with little to no money. I think right now we're averaging probably about $1,200 left into the deal on average over about 180, maybe 185 bird deals to date, $1,200 is what we're averaging, right? So sometimes we may have to bring four or 5,000 to the table. Sometimes we might walk with 10 grand. It just kind of depends on the deal and you know how good we bought it. So sorry to talk your ear off, Nick, but that's the 30,000 foot view, man. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned that I did it wrong and we can jump into that here next if you want, or we can save that for a little later, but you know, I did it wrong for 10 years. And over the last eight years, you know, I've been full time and I've really just emerged myself, immersed myself in all things real estate, you know, networking, joining masterminds, hiring coaches. I do my own coaching at this point, um, working with other individuals, you know, both locally and, and in different areas of the country, you know, not only to partner with them on deals, but to just, you know, learn from them and better my business, you know, so just all things real estate, man. I'm just a big, you know, I'm super passionate about it. I love that, man. That That's awesome stuff and extremely impressive. I mean, those bird deals, that that number outstanding in itself and then the amount of money you're into it for is just incredible. And I think one of the things you touched on that's an interesting point is you talked about having to get the deal and be into it for a certain delta between what it's worth now, what you're all in is and what the banks are looking for the appraisal. And that's where you're able to refinance out. And I think for the average bear listening, they're going, oh man, it's such a competitive market. How do you come in and get deals like 70, 75 cents all in on the ARV of the property? And something uh, we were touching on before we started recording is I always tell everybody, this is not necessarily a business of dollars, although it is, but when you know how to connect to people, that's really where you'll see two people in the same market and one's actually getting deals for a lower offer. Why is that? It's because they had some sort of rapport or some sort of connection with that person. And I think too many people bypass that and they think it's all about the numbers and it's really not. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that because I've heard you bring that up as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. So whenever I'm working with new students, you know, one of the first things that I teach them and tell them is, is that this is a people business. You know, we're really in the hugs and kisses business. You know, yeah. we're not really in the real estate business. Uh, we need to build rapport. The average deal that I do, the average one, now this is with eight years of data, right, um, is four plus months. So let, let me repeat that. The average deal that I do takes four plus months. Now, when I say deal, what I'm referring to is, is you know, the time in which I first connect with an owner to the time in which I get it under contract. I'm not saying when I flipped it and wholesaled it and got paid or you know, fixed and flipped it or added to my portfolio of rentals. None of that. I'm talking about just to get a contract signed on average takes me four plus months. Now, that doesn't mean that that's going to take every deal four months. We get leads that come in today that I'll go run an appointment tomorrow on and we'll have a contract signed by Friday. Happens all the time. But folks, the average is four plus months. So if you think of it this way, if I didn't follow up with my leads and try to build rapport and make friends with them, I would be probably leaving 90 to 95% of the deals on the table. 
So again, back to my point though, is, is I teach all my students, the number one thing you can do in this business is learn how to market your business, market yourself. The number two thing you can do in this business is make a bunch of friends. I mean, it's literally that simple. Like, you know, the definition of marketing, in my opinion, is really marketing just means it's just a fancy word for getting the phone to ring. If you think about it, you know, like you, you can do the outbound ringing, you can call, you can text, you can send mail, you know, or you can do things like get a billboard or get a radio ad or build a website, you know, and, and get people to call you, or you can drive traffic to a web form. But at the end of the day, all roads typically lead to a phone call. Even if it's not one that's made in the beginning, it typically like that's typically where marketing leads to. It's make it's getting people on the phone. So, you know, if nobody knows that you're in the business of buying houses, or let's just use a random example, let's say you're a dentist. If nobody knows that you're a dentist, how do you expect to get any clients? Like you're not, right? So you have to market what business you're in. And I tell my students, hey, you need to be screaming from the rooftop, right? What business you're in. Because if nobody knows what product or service that you're providing or can help people with, they're not going to bring those to you, right? And then number two, like I said, is make friends. You know, I'm not that great at sales. I don't feel like I am at least, but I'm really, really good at buying houses. And I think one of the reasons is, is that when I go out, I'm not doing much of the talking. I know I'm doing a lot of the talking on the podcast here <laughs> and I apologize, right? I'm going to talk a lot, but when I'm out on an appointment, it's the exact opposite. You know, it's, I'm going to ask a lot of open-ended questions where I want them to do as much of the talking as possible. And it's for two reasons. Number one, I really want to learn about what the situation is, why they're motivated, how quickly they want to sell, you know, why they're selling. All these things are very, very important. But number two is I want them to understand and know that I care and that I can be trusted. People want to do business with those they know, like, and trust. It's called rapport. I heard of that before, right? Rapport building 101 is get somebody to know you, like you, and trust you. Well, that's the same thing. You, you get all those things. You gain those three things when you make friends with people. So I don't necessarily tell my students, hey, go build a bunch of rapport. I just straight go cut right to the chase and say, hey, go make a bunch of friends, right? Do the marketing and get them on the phone, make friends, be friendly, run appointments, let them know you care and follow up. And if you can do that, you will do deals. It's almost guaranteed. It just depends on how much time and effort and energy and or cost or investment, I should say is a better word, you're willing to invest. At the end of the day, it's time or money, Nick, when it comes to marketing. So again, marketing is just a fancy word for getting the phone to ring or getting people on the phone, right? But to do the marketing, it's going to cost you time or money. Now, I have students that come to me and they maybe only have 500 bucks a month to spend on their marketing, which the majority of that's going to go to software because you got to be able to run comps and you got to be able to, you know, skip trace data and you got to be able to have a phone system and a CRM and all these things are very, very important. But if you don't have two grand or five grand or 10 grand a month, that's okay. But you're going to need to dedicate time. You're going to need to dedicate two to three hours a day or, you know, ideally at least 10 hours a week if you want to have any success at all. Right. If you don't have 10 hours a week or two to three hours a day, maybe you only have two or three hours a week. Well, that's fine, too. But in order to get your phone to ring, you're going to need to spend money to get it to ring or you're going to need to hire virtual assistants or employees to ring other people's phones in whatever manner it may be. Right. So it's time or money when it comes to marketing. And it's often both, you know, even people that are spending you know, three, four, 5,000 a month on direct mail or AdWords or radio advertisement or whatever it is to get their phone ringing, they're still having to spend some time answering those calls, following up on those calls, running appointments, making offers, analyzing deals, you know, all the things that, that we have to do here as real estate investors. So I just want to set the, the precedent here. Like, you know, you can do this part-time, but somebody that's just going to do it an hour or two on Saturdays, it's going to take them a very long time to find a motivated seller and to do a deal. You know, I mean, my average cost per per deal is probably somewhere around $2,800, give or take, right? So, you know, I can either spend the $2,800 and get a bunch of phone calls coming in the door to, to hopefully get one of these individuals to sell it to me, or I can spend $2,800 worth of time. 
How much do you value your time, right? I think most people would say at least $50 an hour. You know, I, I typically charge $250 an hour for my time, but even if I was charging $50 an hour, do the math on that. How many hours am I going to have to put in? Cold calling, door knocking, driving for dollars, going to RIAs and networking, whatever it is to get that deal. It's going to be roughly $3,000 in cost, roughly, to get a deal. So again, like people that are new and they're just listening to this, I hope that helps a lot because you don't need the 3000 cash, right? If you got it, that's one way to do it. But the other way is that you're going to need to put that amount of time, $3,000 worth of time towards these efforts on average to stumble across somebody that's going to say, yeah, I'm willing to sell this at a discount. That's incredible info, man. I, I second that for sure. I tell everybody you got to have it in the bank or you got to have it in the tank, but you got to put one or the other in for sure. It's not, you can't just not, you can't just do nothing and just think money's going to start coming. So I appreciate that you uh, set that expectation. As far as your acquisitions teams, what, what does that look like right now? Who's on your team and what sort of marketing channels do you prefer today? Love it, man. Yeah. So my, I've scaled back my team quite a bit over just the last couple, I'd say, you know, couple of weeks, even couple, couple of weeks, couple of months you know, but my team looks like this. So it's me and I have a partner. His name's Mike. Um, and we're 50, 50 owners in our business. We have two virtual assistants that are helping with lead management and follow-up. We have one local acquisitions guy that's just on commission and he will run appointments, help make offers, also manage some of the follow-up. Um, but he's very selective so that's where the VAs come in. They're calling and following up on all the leads. Whereas my local acquisitions guy, he's not, you know, calling and following up on all these. He's just looking at the good ones, right? Um, beyond that, I run appointments. Just so does my partner, Mike. You know, we, we actually both enjoy doing that. Uh, beyond that, we have a, uh, a, a transaction coordinator, or I like to refer to it as just a closing coordinator. Same thing. Uh, we have a, a transaction coordinator on staff. Um we have a bookkeeper on staff. We have two different property managers that are third party that we work with. Um, and then we have two or three crews that we work with. Only one of them are essentially on the payroll, which is, you know, even that's 1099. Uh, but the other two that we work with are just kind of a la carte. They just bid us out for projects. Um, and there's, you know, there's pros and cons to having in-house crews versus third party. You pay a little bit more with third party, but you don't have to keep them busy when you're slow. They can go find other work. Um, and then also, you know, our crew is, is small. It's only got, you know, three to four guys, depending on the week. Um, so if we need three projects going at the same time, which we often do, I mean, I typically have five or six going at any given time, not necessarily all same day, but going, you know, um, yeah, then we need, we need more. So we have a couple different crews that we work with one in-house uh, but other than that, oh, and then I have a personal assistant, which is just a personal thing, right? So it's not a very large team. Um, you know, it's, I'd say it's about 10 people, give or take, you know, total, not including any of the third parties for the most part. So, nice, man. Yeah. So you have, uh, you have your VAs that are following up on leads. I heard you mention a couple of things as far as like, uh, you know, lists and driving for dollars. What types of uh, what types of lists right now? Or what types of marketing channels are you using? Are you doing SMS, cold calling, direct mail, like a mix and match of different things? What's your preference? Yeah, that's a great question, man. So we do cold calling and SMS. Now we've scaled back on both of those recently um, because there's regulations are coming down, you know, laws are changing, and over the last couple of months, I've just gotten really annoyed with a lot of spam on my own end, like people calling and texting me. So I'm not really helping that problem by you know, <laughs> doing a lot of that stuff. So I'll be honest, we do cold call, we do cold text, but we've scaled back a lot. And then the ones that we are cold calling and cold texting, we are scrubbing out federal do not calls now. We didn't do that for a really long time, but I've been hearing some people getting in some trouble recently. So we're just going to try to follow the rules as much as we can in terms of, you know, the compliance. So we do that. Uh, we send mail. I actually just got a letter, came back this morning from one of my mailers. So we send mail, we do postcards and letters. Um, we have, we're on and off the radio. I'm not on there today, but usually I'll do three or four months on a month or two off three or four months on. So we're on that little off period right now, but we do run some radio ads on a couple different stations. Um, let's see what else we do bandit sign campaigns from time to time. We'll usually do like three or four a year. 
people will order like four or 500 of them. Um, you know, I teach my students, Hey, be consistent. You know, instead of ordering three or 400, like I do go, go get 20 and put them out and then go get 20 more and put them out. Like that's a better approach. Um, but you know, we, we just get, we just order like a pallet or two, we'll get 500 or a thousand of them and we'll just get them out every which way. So that's definitely a good model. Um, I'd say 10 to 15% of the deals that we do are joint ventures with other investors. They either bring us a deal or they need help selling the deal or whatever. So we do do a lot of joint ventures. So I, you know, I always encourage everyone to network, network, network like crazy, you know, get out there and go to your RIAs and, and meet other investors and, and team up with them. Uh, let's see what else we have a website that we occasionally will do some SEO to. We haven't done that in a while, but we will occasionally, um, AdWords is another great channel and I'm, I'm, I'm similar to AdWords. Like I am with the radio where I'll do it for a couple months and then I'll take a break and then I'll do it for a couple months. I'm, I'm, I'm on an off month right now. Uh, but we'll probably get that going back up again, you know, later in the month or, or early in December, cold call, cold text, direct mail, radio, AdWords, uh, bandit signs and networking. I think that's, you know, that's basically what we do. I like to drive for dollars. Uh, when I have time. So sometimes I'll go do it, you know, two, three times in a week. Other times there might be two or three weeks go by where I, I don't get out and do it. Um, again, consistency though, you know, if you can be more consistent or, or consistent just in general with any marketing, it's better than, 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 than the flip side. You know, like I, I tell my students all the time, Hey, instead of trying to go do eight hours on Saturday, you know, do one hour a day. You're, you're, it's just, so, you know, being around the business and, and just, you know, having the consistency is going to take you a lot farther than just trying to dive in deep because you're just going to, you're going to, you're going to lose steam. You know, you're going to, um, you're going to get frustrated. So I'd rather my, my students work, you know, less more often than, you know, less often more, if that makes sense. It makes total sense, man. It's just like exercising. You're going to get in better shape working out an hour a day than working out for eight hours on Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's, that is such a great analogy. I love that. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I mean, all these things, I mean, there's so many different things. Um, you know, networking is probably one of my favorite ways to get leads because those leads are, are either free or they're cheap. And I say cheap, like, yeah, I may kick somebody back 500 or $1,000, like as a thank you. You know, but that's going to be much cheaper than the three thousand dollars I'm going to have to spend on the direct mail or the adwords or the radio advertisement, you know, so on and so forth. And oftentimes, you know, if an agent brings me a deal, I won't pay them at all until we go to sell that. I'll just say, hey, you know, you're getting paid by the seller, which is great. They're still making something, uh, but if we decide to fix and flip this, you know, we'll let you be the the listing agent on the flip side. And they say, oh, that's great, you know. So we try to compensate and create every every situation needs to be a win win, right? We're very aware of that, um, but it's just much cheaper dealing with friends and family and acquaintances than it is with you know strangers. So I love the approach for you know networking and and, and joint venturing with other investors. Um, and then you know driving for dollars I mentioned is a great way to get leads. Probably one of my my favorite ways to get leads, uh, but driving for dollars in and in itself isn't marketing. It's a list building. You know, once you build that list, then you can decide if you want to market to that list or not. And this, this is another thing, you know, Nick, that I see a lot of times is somebody will go download a, a driving for dollars app, you know, like deal machine or batch leads, or, you know, maybe they're using prop stream or resimply or whatever. Right. And they'll go out and they'll drive for dollars and they'll go get 300, 400, 500, maybe a thousand leads added into their thing, but they're not calling or texting or emailing or mailing any of these people. So driving for dollars in itself isn't marketing, folks. That's list building. The marketing comes whenever you start ringing phones or giving the opportunity out there for them to ring your phone. And, you know, there's somebody out there listening right now that's thinking, well, what if they go fill out a, web, a form of my website? Well, that's great, but you're still going to have to call them. <laughs> like all roads lead to a phone call, guys, no matter what. You know, have I bought a house without talking to somebody on the phone before? Yeah, of course. But like you're talking like maybe two or three times out of a thousand. You know what I'm saying? Like 99% of the time, all roads lead to a phone call. Either they're calling you or you're calling them regardless of what happens first. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, 
any way you're looking to get in on residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I just love keep that. that in mind. I mean, think of it. Oh, hey, Dave, I get people coming in all the time. Hey, Dave, my marketing isn't working. So you're telling me that you're not getting enough people on the phone. And, they, and then they're like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Okay, well, what could you do to get more people on the phone? Very simple. You can either call more people and get them on the phone physically, manually trading by your time, or you can spend money to get your message out into the universe, either up on the billboard or delivered into their, into their um, mailbox. Or maybe it hits their ears through the radio waves, right? But you either got to put your message out so they call you or you need to call them. It's that simple. There is no like secret sauce to finding motivated sellers. It's work, right? It's effort. It doesn't have to necessarily be hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to, you know, to defer people from wanting to do the work or do the marketing. You know, real, I love real estate. It's made me a millionaire. I love it. It's amazing, right? But, I, but I'm hustling, right? I'm out here talking to people on the phone, setting appointments, following up. And my team of, of helpers, my acquisitions guy and my two virtual assistant lead managers, eight hours a day. If they're not answering calls, they're, we're figuring out how we can get other people's phones to ring by texting them, calling them, emailing them. Sometimes if we get a bunch of, of mail that comes back, Nick, that uh, we skip trace and we can't get them you know, to answer a call or a text or even respond to an email. If it's a good list or a niche list, we'll go to Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram and start DMing these individuals. Hey, you know, is this Tony over on Maple Street? Tony, I, I'm so sorry to like randomly message you on Twitter, but like I have tried to call and text and email and even went and knocked on the door of where I think you're at and I can't, I can't find you. And I'm not trying to bother you, but I do notice that you own this house over on Maple Street and it's boarded up and it looks like it's been vacant for several years. I want to buy it. And then you get a response for, on that little Twitter chat. And again, this is just a hypothetical situation, but it's happen it happens all the time in my office. Oh, Dave, hey, I'm glad you reached out, regardless if it's on Twitter. You know, here's my cell phone. Call me. Boom. You're, you're in, you're now you're on the phone with the seller. You know, so you sometimes you have to go the extra mile. You know, and that's really, I think, what separates out, you know, the individuals that are doing two, three, four, five deals a month versus somebody that's maybe doing one a month or less, you know, is that these individuals, A, they have a plan, B, they have a marketing budget, doesn't necessarily have to be money, but it needs to be money or time and or is a better word there, right? Money and or time, but they have it, you know, like in my business, we typically spend about five grand a month. So at the beginning of the month, I'm going to say, all right, well, we already got this going here and this going there, but that leaves about 2000 left. What are we doing with it this month? Are we going to do some AdWords? Are we going to do some radio ads? You know, are we going to send some direct mail? And I'm consistent with that every single month, because if I'm not marketing, then guess what's happening? The phone isn't ringing. And if the phone isn't ringing, how do you expect anybody to be able to find a seller, a motivated one at that? You know, it's going to be very difficult to go set an appointment and make a friend, it's going to be very difficult to make the offer if you're not on the phone with somebody that owns a property. So I think a lot of people in this business, they overcomplicate it. And it's this business is incredibly simple, Nick. It's so simple, you know, but a lot of people, their, their biggest hiccup, their biggest reason for not getting started is that they don't understand that this is a marketing business and you need to have a budget. And if your budget's only 500 a month, that's fine. Just anticipate that it's going to take six months to get a deal. If your budget's 3000 a month, then maybe you get one in a month or two. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's, it's that simple, you know? So good questions. I love that, man. I think uh, one of the things you mentioned is people talk about it being such a competitive business. And I've also heard that I love the, the analogy of if you want to see where it's not very competitive or crowded, go the extra mile because there's not a lot of people there. It's, it's very true, man. 
it's very, very true. And you know what? Like, here's the thing. There's a lot of real estate investors right now. You know, there's probably more so, well, maybe not right this second, but in the last <laughs> year, right? There's more people getting into real estate investing and, you know, more people advertising on Facebook for their different programs for, you know, creative finance or wholesaling or whatever. Um, and that's okay. You know, so there is a little bit more competition than there has been. But to your point, if you go the extra mile, you're going to eliminate all that competition, right? And then beyond that, there's always going to be a reason that there's going to be some motivation in the marketplace. And, and let, let, me, let me elaborate on that just real quickly, right? So what are we looking for as a real estate investor? Well, from our perspective, we're looking for a good deal. Another way to word that is, is we're looking for a property that we can buy at a deep discount. That's what we're looking for. Now, a motivated seller, what are they looking for? So let's take ourselves out of our shoes and let's put ourselves in the shoes of a motivated seller. You know, they may be looking for highest dollar amount. That's it's possible. But oftentimes what they're looking for is convenience. They're looking for cash. They're looking for as is. They're looking for quick. And in my opinion, if you, you know, if you probably heard the 80-20 principle, right? 80% of the individuals that are motivated, they're looking for convenience, not, not highest dollar. So as investors, all we do is we help these individuals by providing them what they're looking for, convenience, in exchange for a discount. It's very simple. I mean, I don't think I can get much more clear than that, right? That's what we're looking for. And that's what we do. Okay. So whenever I get on the phone with the seller, if they're asking retail, I just tell them straight up, Hey, I'm not the buyer for you, but if you're willing to give me a discount, I'll want to close it quick, two, three weeks, right? I'm going to pay cash. There's no financing contingencies or, you know, something out of left field of the last minute that's going to screw this up. And I think the most important of the three is the as is side of things. Don't clean, don't paint. You don't even need to declutter. You don't need to do anything. I'm going to buy this property as it sits with all the stuff inside of it, if need be, right? And that's what gives us value as real estate investors. I forgot where we were going with this. The extra mile. Go oh the yeah, extra the extra mile. mile. <laughs> the extra mile, yeah. So, in, so with the convenience though, I mean, those are the three things that I think make up about 80% of the convenience here. But- there's been a situations where I'll show up and help, help a seller load a moving truck. You know, there's been situations where I'll buy a home and let them stay in it for three or four or five or six months and rent it back from me because they don't have anywhere to go, but that's the convenience they're looking for. So we, as real estate investors just need to understand this very simple thing is that we don't really have a whole lot of value other than providing convenience, assuming we want to get discounted properties, which we all do. Right. If you're willing to go pay retail to somebody, then you don't need to offer them any convenience at all. You're giving them all the ever they're asking for. But we know we're typically buying properties, Nick, between 50 and 60 cents on the dollar when it's all said and done. So I just had a person on my YouTube literally last night that I, you know, commented on one of my videos and they were like, you know, how how are you not they're like, Dave, we don't understand how you're, you know determining your, your, your offers at 50 to 60% when you're not subtracting out repairs and you're not subtracting out a wholesale fee. Well, I am, right? So check this out. Let's say that I go out and I find a property, a motivated seller that owns a property on Main Street, right? One, two, three Main Street. And that property is has an ARV of 100,000. And I say, all right, I'm going to you know run my MAO formula. So my ARV is 100. I'm going to multiply that by let's say 70 percent so that puts me down to 70,000 let's say the repairs are 20,000 I'm going to subtract the repairs out that puts me down to about 50 and let's say I wanted to have a small wholesale fee of five grand my, my MAO in this scenario is 45k right well if I don't know the repairs and I don't necessarily know the discount rate in this case it was 70 percent you know from the hip I'm pretty comfortable making an offer at 50% of the estimate, which is 50 grand. So at the end of the day, you know, if I go back and look at all thousand transactions that I've done and I average what I ended up paying comparatively to just a estimate, which is anybody can pull. You don't have to pay for that. That's free. 
right? It ends up being typically between 50 and 65% of that number. So of course I still run the MAO formula and, and multiply the comps, you know, the average of the comps by a small discount rate, you know, and then subtract the repairs out. And if I'm wholesale, subtract that fee out. But I don't often know all those numbers whenever I just get a call from somebody from a radio advertisement. Hey, Dave, you know, I heard your radio advertisement. I got this house. Oh, great. You know, I'll pull it up on Zillow. It says that it's worth 220000 We'll talk for two or three minutes and I'll say, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm really happy you called. You know, I'm an investor. I don't typically pay retail. I always tell that to the seller, by the way. You know, I want them to know that. Like, I'm, I'm here to help. I can provide convenience to you. But if you're looking for this 220000 that Zillow says it's worth, I'm not your guy. You know, and then I'll typically ask them, hey, you know, does it need repairs? Does it have any recent updates? Oftentimes it's no. And then I'll just typically say, all right, well, here's the deal. I'm typically buying properties in this part of town that meet, you know, that are similar criteria to what you just told me for between 100 and 120,000. That's 50 to 60% roughly from the of 220, right? And here's the thing. If they say, oh, I owe 140, no problem. You're in the ballpark. That's when I go set the appointment. That's whenever I say, all right, well, let me, let me dive a little deeper. You know, 140 might be a little high, but it's in the ballpark. Let's say 130. That's a little bit closer to the, let's say I made them an offer at, you know, 110. ARV 220, my offer was 110 and they want 130. Well, that's not that much off, right? So I'm going to say, all right, cool. Let me dive a little deeper into the comps. I'd love to come see the property and get eyes on it to really know what these repairs are. That's when I go and I do that. But notice that the amount of time that it took me to make the offer was like under 30 seconds. You know, and a lot of people in the beginning, they're going to go over analyze everything. They're going to want to run these comps. They're going to, before they make the offer, I've already made the offer before they've even been on the phone with me for three or four minutes, typically. Right. And then if they say that, you know, if they're, if they, if they don't hang up on me for my offer or they don't, um, you know, think my offer is crazy and we're in the ballpark, well, then that's where I'm going to keep moving this ball forward. But if I make them an offer at 110, and they're looking at Zillow and they see that it says 220 and they think it needs 20 gram or three pairs. So they take the 20,000 off the number and they say, I want 200 for it. That ain't a deal, folks. If you buy a house at 200 that needs 20 grand, it's worth 220. You're going to lose $15,000 on that deal when you go to sell it or more, right? It has to be discounted. So th that's basically how I determine if I'm going to run the appointment is by making the offer. I don't overthink the offer. I don't run it through a, a lengthy, you know, equation. I literally take the estimate, cut it in half. If it's in an okay neighborhood, if it's in a really good neighborhood or an area that I really want to invest, I'll go to sixty or even sixty-five percent of the estimate. But that's where I start. I, I don't overthink it. You you got You got to take action in this business. And again, I mean, I would say most of the people that come to me and say, "Hey, I need some help. I want you to be my coach. I want you to be my mentor." The problems that they're facing in this business, Nick, isn't that they don't know how to run comps. It isn't that they don't know, you know, how to build rapport and make friends. It isn't that they, you know, don't know how to determine repairs. It isn't that they don't, you know, know the basic principles of, of buying and selling property. What I'm seeing is analysis paralysis. They don't know what offer to make. Guys, making an offer that's lower than what you're willing to pay is better than not making one at all. Because guess what? You can always come up a little bit. And guess what? You can even always come down a little bit if you need to, too. Right? But you got to make that offer. So, that I mean, that if, if I could leave you all with one thing, um, you know, get comfortable making offers to people. You know, one of my original coaches, Nick, from, from about seven and a half years ago, taught me this. The amount of offers you make in this business directly correlates to the amount of money you make in this business. And I, and I can't agree more with that. If you make three offers in a year, you better hope you're going to get one of those three offers if you're going to make some money this year. Mm -hmm. But if you're making three offers a day, you only need one in 30 offers to be a deal. And you, you know, and you're going to do two or three deals a month. But you got to make three or four or five offers a day. So at my business and my team at my company, you know, we try to make at least three to five offers every single day, seven days a week. Every day we're making offers. And some people, like I said, they're going to hang up whenever I tell them I'm going to pay them 110 for that 220s estimate. That's okay. That saves me time. 
I'd much rather them hang up on me now right away than me go out and run an appointment and waste a bunch of time just to find out later that they want the Zestimate. I'm always going to lead with, well, I'm typically buying them in this part of town at about this number. Oh, and by the way, it's not just, you know, I'm not, I'm not a retail buyer. I tell them straight up, but if you're looking for convenience, I'm going to have a ton of that to provide you cash quick as is that's typically what they're looking for. I love that, man. It's fantastic info. I know we're running tight on time here, but uh, a couple more things before I let you go. I know. So we talked a little bit about bird. You gave some details out on when we first started, and it's been a big way you're able to build your portfolio with little to no money out of your own pocket. My question is when you're doing the strategy now, I know your specific method, you're doing more rate and term than cash out. How are you adjusting right now when you're running your deals for what the interest rates might be in six, seven, eight, nine months when you're going to refinance out of that property? That's a great question. So two things. Number one, about a year ago, well, maybe not. Yeah, about a year ago, we started working with uh, some national lenders, um, a couple of them from the hip, like Kiavi, Aloha, Renovo, or three that come to mind, that do 30-year commercial loans. So we've actually gotten probably 15 to 20 of those over the last year as rates have been rising to kind of offset some of these three and five-year commercial loan fixed rates that we have with some of the local banks. So I guess number one I'd say is, is that we're diversifying our type of funding. Um, number two is, is we are reducing the discount rate when we are calculating the offer. So, you know, eight to 10 months ago, I think most of the U.S. was at 80% just because inventory was so low. Um, you know, prior to that, we were at 75%. Prior to that, we were at 70%. And we're back at 70% on my end. Even with inventory still being kind of low, it's, you know, it stays on markets creeping up, of course. Um, and interest rates aren't helping buyers, you know, either, right? So you have those two two influences or factors. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we're doing a bird deal, I can't make it work anymore at 80% minus repairs. Um, I used to. Uh, but now because of these higher rates, I need to be closer to 70% minus repairs. But if I can still get the property at enough of a discount, it doesn't matter if I'm paying seven, eight, 9% interest. You just got to get a better deal on the property now. So it is making it a little bit more difficult to find those deals, but those deals are out there. Oh, this is what I wanted to mention earlier. Um, and I got sidetracked on just going down the tunnel or the <laughs> path of, um, of convenience for a discount. Um, but what I was wanting to, to say is, is at any given time, you know, three to 4% on average of any household in America is in a distressed situation. And here's the thing, guys and girls, the convenience that we offer is a good thing. We, we are the liquidity makers, if you think about it, right? Real estate investors offer liquidity to people with, 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 with distressed properties, right? Um, but some of the things that, that would create an individual to become motivated I think I worded that properly, like, you know, would, would create or would, would lead to somebody becoming motivated. Some of these things, they're not typically pretty. They're not things that I would really wish onto people ever. You know, I would never hope that somebody goes into to foreclosure. I would never hope that somebody gets relocated for their job. Like those things suck, right? I would never hope that somebody gets, you know, is dealing with death, divorce, or disease. These are terrible things. But here's the thing, guys and girls, they happen, regardless if we want them to or not. And these individuals that are dealing with death and divorce and disease and pre-foreclosure and, you know, judgments and unpaid taxes and all these things that are unfortunate, they need help. What do you think we do when we provide convenience to them? We help them. So I'm just circling back on that. Like, you know, a real estate investor, a lot of people say, oh, that's cool. You buy houses for a living. I don't. I solve problems for people for a living. I provide convenience. And, and, and in exchange for that convenience, I get a good deal on a piece of real estate that I can then turn, turn around and do one of three things with. I can sell it for a profit via wholesale. I can fix it up and sell it for a profit via fix and flip. Or I can add it to my portfolio of rentals, ideally using the Burr method or another creative finance approach. That's it. It's three exits. I love that, man. Speaking of helping people, talk all things David Allen Dodge. How are you helping people? How can people contact you? How can people work with you? Awesome, man. Again, thanks for having me, Nick. I do appreciate you, man. And um, yeah, so, you know, I've just moved everything over to my website recently. 
Uh, we have some free courses over there. We have a podcast over there. Um, we have some coaching programs. If you're interested, all that stuff can be found at discountpropertyinvestor.com. Again, that's discountpropertyinvestor.com. Everything's there. It's all, all in one you know, link to learn more about. Uh, you know, I, I, I offer free weekly webinars, coaching program. Uh, we have free courses. We have membership um, packages. We got all kinds of good stuff over there. Uh, we, we have three books on Amazon and Audible. You can learn more about those as well over at discountpropertyinvestor.com. Awesome, man. And that'll link to all your social media and stuff because people that are watching your Instagram is awesome, dude. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. Well, Nick, thank you so much for having me, man. This has been fun. And hopefully I uh, didn't talk too much, man. No, nah, dude, I thought you were awesome. You, you made my job very easy. You dropped a lot of good nuggets there, man. And uh, I think people get a lot of value from it. I've been watching your stuff. I think it's awesome. You obviously bring your A game to everything you do in this interview has been no different, sir. Any final thoughts before I let you go for the day? No, taking I mean, yes, taking action is is more important than than education, in my opinion. You know, one of the things that I really, really harp on with my students is you probably already know too much. Stop trying to, to go learn the next thing. Because when you're doing that, guess what you're not doing? Marketing. <laughs> so massive action is going to trump everything. And in fact, I encourage my students to go screw stuff up. And I don't use that word. I use a different word. Go screw <laughs> stuff up, right? Go get into some trouble. I'm going to be here to help you, assuming you're a student, you know, navigate through this. But if you're not taking action at all, nothing's going to happen. So that's it. That's just get out there and take action. Quit trying to think you need to learn that one little more thing or that one next thing, you probably already know too much. I agree with that. I think that that's awesome. It's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you for coming on. Anybody listening, all your links will be in the show notes and I look forward to connect with you. David Allen Dodge, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Bye.